and uh, excited to, to wrap this series up. I, it's been good for me. How many it's good for you? And um, again, we're, we're constantly um, not fighting for, but we're also, we're always living in a place of this awareness of, uh, again, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's a strength. It's an attribute that we have as believers to be able to walk in joy. And so if you haven't been with us over the last few weeks, we've um, spent this entire series looking at the the book of joy, which is Philippians, which comes from uh, the Apostle Paul, who gives us this writing from jail. Not like a real nice jail where he had things put together, a nice bed and and Wi-Fi. No, he was like in a pit in the ground with his own sewage in that place. It was an awful place where he would have heard uh, like executions happening just outside of where he was. It was a is a, a torturous place, if you will, and yet he found it to be the place where he wants to write to the church that he planted in Philippi, but then also to us, hey guys, you got to hear these things about joy. And so he says, all these light and momentary afflictions, none of them have like moved me. And so when we consider light and momentary, you know, like it probably applies more to us when we go, oh, I'm having such a bad day. They were out of my white chocolate mocha uh, today, right? All these light. No, like he had some real things that he was able to say, these light and momentary, because with God is his, prin- his principle here. Are you with me? And so today, the last one that we're going to be married in, we're going to jump back a little bit. We've kind of jumped around Philippians, but today uh, we're going we're gonna to join into Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to do it from the New Living Translation. And I'm also going to sprinkle a little bit of the Christmas story into here because we actually see how Mary and Joseph and their whole process actually lived this out as well. And so here's what, excuse me, here's what I'll say about this. Uh, All of this you got to write down. This New Living Translation, this Philippians 3, I encourage you, you can read all four books of Philippians. You've heard me say this each week. You could read all of them probably in about 15 minutes, but just take the notes and go back and read into this because we are just contending in our culture for, for joy, for just not happiness, because remember, we talked about how that's based on circumstances, but joy is a choice. It's something that, that we choose. That's why Paul's saying, hey, I'm encouraging you, rejoice in the Lord always. Like it's something we do. Amen. And so for this sermon, for me, this is probably not the most tweetable sermon. It's probably not going to have the most memorable sort of uh, analogies and things like this, but I'm telling you, this is probably the realist. It's probably the most livable one. If we can do these things uh, in a daily basis, we're going to get a lot right if we can do it this way. I'd also tell it to you like this. I'm in the middle of this one. Like I'm, I'm, I'm being Paul where he's like, look, I'm not perfect. I haven't completely arrived, but I'm working on this. Are you with me? All right. So Philippians chapter three, verse one, you're going to love this part. He starts it off by saying this, whatever happens. Oh man, that includes everything then, doesn't it? Whatever happens. How many of you have some whatever happenings in your life right now? He's saying, what, here, here's the qualifications for what I'm about to say. Here's what it fits into. It fits into whatever's happening. Not, oh, when we get the promotion. Not, oh, when we're rich. Not, oh, just in summer. Not, oh, when it's not the crazy Christmas. No, Whatever is happening, whenever it's happening, however it's happening, he says this, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. He brings up this, this, this having the ability to rejoice in whatever's happening. He's, he's going after it again with us. So imagine being the church in Philippi, right? You're getting another letter from Paul and you're like, okay, now, now what is he? Oh, he's, he's saying the rejoice thing again. <laughs> he's saying it again. And he's, he goes on to say why. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And he says this, I never get tired of telling you these things. 
He says this, and I do it to safeguard your faith. He's saying one of the ways that we safeguard our faith is we become people who learn how to what? Rejoice in the Lord. Be joyful. Walk in joyfulness. People come into your life and say, oh, I need help. Oh, I need this thing. And we're so quick to be like, well, you got to get a devotional and you got to get some worship music. And you got, and all of that is true. But he's literally writing to us and saying, hey, one of the safeguards too is that you learn to be a person who can rejoice and be joyful in what the Lord is doing in your life. Oh, you amen that real good. But remember, he started it by saying, no matter what's happening, when you're fired, when you're broke, when you're fighting, when you're, that's when you also rejoice in the Lord. At all times, we find a way to rejoice in the Lord. Amen. He's reminding us rejoicing is such a big deal. Here's what I would say. Mountaintops. We love mountaintops. Mountaintops are not where you win. I believe we win in the valley seasons, don't we? It's so easy to be in love when you're on vacation, isn't it? Everything's going good and it's a mountaintop. But when you're pressing in and it's hard and you have circumstances that aren't lining up with your dreams, that's when it's, are you with me? And he's saying, no matter what's happening, be somebody who can find joy, not just on the mountaintop, but even in the valley. You got to be a person who can find joy. I thought about it like this for me uh, as I'm just considering, you know, seasons uh, and seasons. No matter what's happening, we can find joy. Last week, we talked about relationships. I would much rather have a difficult relationship in my life than a difficult season. Some of you are like, no, people are the worst. Like, yeah, some of you are like, I'd rather have a difficult season. Uh, for me, like, uh, I, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, I like to argue. Some of you are like, really? <laughs> so difficult people, it's like, it's easy for me. Like, I, I, I can, you know, kind of engage and like that doesn't spin me out. Uh, but seasons, I'm a fun person. Like, I'm an adventurer person. I like to try new things, do different stuff, and I'm always looking for... So when difficult seasons come, those are buzzkills. Like, I hate that. All right, how many of you are with me? Now we realize there's two different kinds of people, so I'm in the room now. And so for me, I'll take a difficult relationship over a difficult scene. But here's what I also know. Like, I just have learned, like Paul would say, I've learned that difficult seasons come with great blessing. Paul's like just saying, you got to get this. Like no matter what's happening, there's something great in it. Doesn't feel great. Doesn't look great. Doesn't act great. Doesn't all those things don't not great. But in there can be something great. Are you with me? And he's saying in those, in those, you got to learn to rejoice. I've thought about this. Two people can go through the same thing. You've probably noticed this. Some people, two different people have gone through the same thing, the same circumstance, the same loss, the same setback, the same failure, the same whatever. One person uses it and grows near to closer to God, draws near to God, and the other person turns away from God. One person uses it to draw near, another person uses it and abandons God. And what I'm trying to say is you have a choice when it comes to a season. I know this is real basic, and I'm going to go somewhere with this. But I'm just here to say, like, every season, every valley, every opportunity, when Paul here is saying, no matter what's happening, choose joy because you have the opportunity to either draw near or to flake out, right? And I think what we do in culture is, is we're more quicker to retreat. 
aren't we? I'm going to get to it here in a minute. And so what I'm trying to do <laughs> is set you up to build this idea of, he says, look, I'm telling you these things to safeguard your faith. I'm doing the same thing right now. I'm, 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 I'm telling you these things to safe. I have three points for you that are going to safeguard your faith, your walk with God. If you can understand that in all things, no matter what's happening, you can choose joy and you can choose to press in instead of retreating. God will be able to do what he's designed to do in your life. Amen. Here's what I would say is this too. Faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. So in these seasons, whatever's happening, faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. How many would ever have somebody come over, a contractor come over? Like, hey, I need you to build this deck for me. Hey, I need you to build this thing. Okay, I'll build all that together. Well, have you ever built it before? No, never built it before. Are you sure that that's going to work and goes together? No, no, we've never tested it, but we could do it for you. You wouldn't trust it, right? How many of us want to have, why do we think it's okay to have a relationship with God that that's way, that way? I, th I think it's going to work. I think I put together all the right things. I think that's the way it's supposed to be, but yet we're never tested in it. God wants to test us so that it's true and that it's good. Are you with me? That's why in Philippians 4, uh, we said a couple weeks ago, he says, I have learned the secret in every situation. And he goes on to say some things, but then he ends it by saying, I can do all things through Christ. I have learned that in every, I've learned the secret that in every situation, I can do all things through Christ. If I can paraphrase that for you, I can have joy. I can, I can walk above the circumstances. I can do all these things through Christ who gives me strength. I've learned the secret. Now, the translation here is he's learned it. The translation is I've learned it as a skilled trade. How many of you have ever bought a birthday cake? Just going to do a little group. Nobody's here ever bought a birthday cake? That's amazing. You guys eat healthy. Okay. You, you, you've had a, so you've bought a birthday cake before, right? And so you know that when you have a birthday cake, uh, it comes to your house or however you bring it home. And of course, it's frosted. And of course, they've put a border on it. And so there's a border. And so uh, somebody had put frosting in the bag and they put the border on there and put some writing on there. Uh, like you guys all know how a cake is decorated, right? Like you all know how it is. Okay. But if I were to say to you right now, like, oh, you all know, you, you've all learned how a cake is decorated, like, right? You've all learned how a cake is decorated. But if I were to say to you, Hey, you've learned. You know how a cake is decorated. Why don't you come up here and decorate a cake for me? How many would be able to do it? Now, many of you might not know this about me. I would be able to do it. I used to be a cake decorator. When I were talking about skilled trade, that used to be a skilled trade of mine. Uh, if we had the time and, and all that kind of stuff, I would have been able to bring up all my, my cake decorating tools because I still have them. Got this nice apron. Come on, somebody. This hat that I put on. I don't have a hat. Someone should get me a hat. But anyway, just kidding. But I could come up here and I could show you how to take the bag and load the frosting and twist the end and get the right tip and put the flowers on. I could literally take the little spinny metal thing. I could make you a rose out of frosting and take the scissors and place it and put the things. In. I could do the whole thing. I know how to decorate a cake. You would say you know how a cake is decorated, but you don't. I know how it's decorated because I've learned it as a skilled trade. Am I making sense? Paul's saying about having joy, I've learned these things not as an idea, like you have an idea about making a cake. I've learned it as a skilled trade. I've applied myself to this so thoroughly that I could show you the ins and outs about how to have joy. You know what the American church is doing wrong in so many categories of following God? 
they haven't learned the ways of God as skilled trade. They just know about it. Well, you know, I reshared that one thing about joy, but you haven't gotten and learned it as a skilled trade to be able to pull yourself out of the valley when joy is, are you with me? We've got to learn these things as skilled trades, not just some ideas that we know about. We know about a whole bunch of things in church, but we got to learn them as skilled trade. Are you with me? It's so stupid the way that we walk like this. It's, it's just like this. It's like, imagine going to the doctor and them giving you a diagnosis. Oh my gosh, you know, here's what's wrong with you. Boom, 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 boom. See you later. You'd be like, no, I need what's next. <laughs> I realize I have this thing and I got this sickness. I got this thing. What's next? They, you would want them to give you what? A prescription so that you can go have what? A solution. Are you with me today? So many of us walk around church like, this is what's wrong with me. This is what's going on. This is the problem. This is the issue. And we never take the next step for the prescription and then the solution. And so he's saying, you got to learn this. You've got to get this into your life as if it's, if it's something you're going to learn in order to have change and have solution. Uh, I thought about it like this as far as meetings with people. Everybody comes in, and, and we want to have meetings, and I love having meetings with people and helping people, but so many of the meetings are just about the problem, not the solution. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I, maybe in 2020 what I'm going to do is when I set an appointment with somebody, I'm going to ask about what's going on, but before they even come in, I'm going to ask them to bring some solutions to it. And then before I meet with them on follow-up, I'm not even going to ask them about how the problems are going. I'm going to ask them about how the solutions are going. We spend so much time talking about problems. Here's what's wrong. Here's what's wrong. Blah, blah, blah. Throw up all this. Blah, blah, blah. This is what's going wrong. All right. So now what? What you just told me means nothing. Nobody here believes me in that. (laughs) The enemy's just just laughing at us. Just over here laughing at us. Because all we do is go around whining to each other. This is wrong. 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 I keep going. This is wrong. This is wrong. (laughs) And if we could just find the things that are going to help us get to the solution. Amen. So here's what I believe are some of the solutions. Three things I have for you that are going to help us uh, safeguard our joy, help us, help us walk in, and we're going to pull these from uh, Philippians chapter 3 here, but three things we need to do to help us safeguard our joy, stay in joy the way God has called us to. Point number one is this. We have to learn to look back. Many of us get up here and preach, and I'm one of them that says, uh, the past is your past, and, and don't look back. And as a matter of fact, this same verse in Philippians actually does say that at one point. But, but I actually think that sometimes there's strength in looking back. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, he says this. This is Paul. This is why he's talking about looking back. He says this. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. What he's saying is this. He's saying, look, of all of the things I can get cranky about, of all the things I could lose my joy about, of all the things that I could get upset about, all of that stuff is garbage when I look back at how I used to be lost, but now I'm found. When I look back at the fact that I have a history of victory with God. Anybody with me today? Um, I'm tempted to lose my joy. I'm in this struggle. I'm in the value. But if in the valley, if I just take a minute to look back and see how good God has been. (laughs) If 
I can just take a minute when it looks like there's no way out of here, when it looks like everything's rotted out and come to end. Are you with me? When it's dark and dim and dirty and, and disgusting and you're tired of it. If you can just take a minute and say, but I got a history of victory with him. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not who I was. I'm not going to stay where I am. Are you with me? He says, all of the other stuff that's got me down is garbage. It's useless. It doesn't matter. All of these short temporary, these annoyances, it's nothing. If I can just remember that he's done it before, he'll do it again. Are you with me? He's our deliverer. I thought about Mary. Mary's sitting here going, wait a second. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let heaven and earth rejoice. And she's loading her pregnant self up on a donkey. She's probably going, what in the world? What? And she goes, wait a second. You know what I need to do? I need to look back at the angel moment. And I need to remember. They said, I'm going to give birth to a savior of the world. How many of you have these moments where you feel you're just traveling along with the all you saved people, you guys are saved, good. Traveling along with the donkey, you just got a donkey in your life. You're just like all these donkey days. You're just traveling along, you're just, you're just like, wait a minute, this spectacular angel came and they said it was going to be this and they said it was going to give birth and joy to the world and heaven and earth would rejoice. And for some reason now I'm just sitting here on a donkey going to I don't know where. Are you with me? And she says, well, no, hold on a second. I need to look back at that and remember. Are you with me? So she looked back. That's why Philippians uh, in verse 1 said this, and I'm certain, again, Paul saying, I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work. Until what? Until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. We serve a God who's a finisher. So you can look back and say, if he started it, he's going to finish it. How many are with me? That's why the book of Joshua gave the instruction to the people that anytime God would do a victory to the, with, with them or through them, he would say, what you got to do is go get some stones and stack those stones as a monument, as a memory. And then when you get to those stones and you're traveling by, you stop. With your, so they would travel past these places often. And they said, when you get to that point with your families, with your people, you stop and you do what? You look back. You say, we have a history of victory with our God. We have memories of more than where we are now. Are you with me? It's the Lion King moment where it's Simba. Remember who you, right? You're not meant to run around with the warthog. Pride Rock is yours. Are you with me? You guys don't understand why I don't love, I love Disney. You got, I'm telling you, you got to watch these movies better than you are. You're watching them the wrong way. But we all go, wow, yeah, remember who you are. What did he do? He took a moment to look back. Of What's his history? What's his lineage? Are you with me? And so I'm sure Mary's in this moment of like, no, 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 Joseph, I know it looks like this, but what you got to remember is this. Point number two. Point number two is this. You have to look around. While I take a drink, you can do that. Take a look around. Point number two is you got to look around. Here's how I would say is this. Many times we get so focused on the pain that we miss the purpose. We just get so caught up in the pain. You could also say it like this. You get so focused on the pain that you miss the moment. You miss the moment. 
this is a safe place that we're in right now. And uh, whatever is shared in here won't be shared anywhere else, such as CPS. And uh, here's what I do with my kids. Again, what stays in this, what happens in this room stays in this room. But when my kids get hurt, uh, you know, so I'm talking about silly little stuff. Like my oldest daughter, she's pretty clumsy. So she's one of those that will like run down the hallway and look the other way and run into the wall. Uh, but like, I'm talking about silly little things where kids get hurt. They stub the toe, they trip, they fall off the, the deck. When I say deck, our deck is one step. I don't want you to think like deck, but, uh, and so that doesn't happen very often, but anyway, so when they get hurt, uh, I rush to them because it's outside time. We're outside playing. We're all together. We got time to play outside. So when they stub a toe and they fall down or when they do a thing, I run over to them and I quickly try to get their mind off what the pain. Like, oh, hey, look at this. And I try to get them on. Why? Because I don't want them to lose the whole moment over a stubbed toe. It's like, hey, look, what about this? Oh, we should do this. Look what daddy's doing. Ah. And so you try, to, you try to get them off the moment. You try, why? Because there's purpose happening all around them. There's purpose over here. There's purpose over there. There's all of these things we could be participating in. But we, we don't want to be stuck on the toe. Are you with me? So many of us throw out all these opportunities over one stub toe. We say, oh, I'm just throwing my joy away. But you got all this purpose. You got all this potential. You got all this around you, and you're so focused on the toe. I'll break it down for you. You walk around your life going like this, and then they, and then, and then, and all of your conversations are all the and thens. You got no joy because you're going, and then, and then, and then this happened, and then they said this, and all your conversations are and thens. But if you took a moment to just look around at all that God has blessed you in, you could actually turn your and thens into, and that blessing, and that blessing I have, and that blessing, are you with me? And I can find joy in that, and I can find joy in that, and I can, are you with me? Because there's more around you than the pain. There's much better in your life than the stub toe, amen. She goes on to kind of talk about this in verse 12. He says this, and I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but he says this, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Jesus first possessed me. He's saying this. He's saying, what do I do when I stub a toe? What do I do when I come into these moments of pain? He says, I press on. I just press on. I'm not perfect now, but I'm, I'm reaching for it because Christ has achieved it for me. Since he's already bought it for me, since he's already won it for me, I have no choice but to press on. But the problem is for us with pain, what we do with pain is we retreat. So no, no, press on. The perfection is there. Keep going. Christ has already done it. He's won it for you. It's already ahead of you. You say, whoa, no, no, I got pain. I'm going to retreat. I'm going to isolate. I'm going to avoid church. Oh, well, don't worry, pastor. I'm watching sermons online. Come on, somebody. Sermons online are great as long as you're not doing it from a place of retreat and isolation. Are you with me? Neglecting godly relationships, godly friendships, which God's called you to. Amen. He calls us to press on, not perfect, not out of perfection, but pressing on. We press on. We take a look around and we press on. Amen. Point number three is this. We look forward. We look forward. So we look back, we look around, and then we look forward. So verse 14, he says it like this. Again, he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize, which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. 
The final prize, I would say it to you like this, the final prize is worth it. Today's stuff isn't worth it. He's saying, I press on because there's something so much better ahead. I look forward to the, the eternal glory, what God has for us, and all of the things that God has for us in eternity is so much better than the things that we're getting hung up on now. Are you with me? So what do we do? We, we press on. Today's stuff isn't worth it. I'm going to read just quite a bit more here, a few verses. In verse 18, he says this, For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite, not talking just about food. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. I hope we're not throwing joy out. I hope we're not throwing purpose out. I hope we're not throwing out what God has for us because of our selfish appetites, because we're busy bragging about shameful things, and we're thinking only about this life here on earth. Can I get an amen there? I think it's something we all are unfortunately tempted in. And can I tell you that lifestyle is not a lifestyle that's looking forward unto the things of God. That's a lifestyle that's looking unto self and saying, don't be that. You're not going to safeguard your joy and your faith by being a person who looks at that. And he tells us what we should be looking unto, verse 20. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies, change him into something glorious like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. We look forward. Why? Because God's in control. At the end of the day, when we lose our joy, when we throw things away in the valley, when we get all caught up in our circumstances, it really comes from a place of thinking that we have to be the ones in control, not God. If we live in this place here where we say, I'm looking forward into what God is doing, has done, is working toward, and he's the one in total control, that's the better way to live. Amen. That's why we all know the famous Jeremiah 29, 11. The New Living Translation says it like this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. God wants you what? God wants you looking forward. Again, thinking about Mary, she was what? Had the ability to look forward. We were able to sing, we're able to sing joy to the world and celebrate what we celebrate. Why? Because she didn't turn the donkey around. <laughs> She was able to say, no, 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 even in this moment, I know that the, what's ahead is better than what I'm experiencing. Are you with me? And so I look forward to the, the eternal reward that this season is going to produce. I'll close with this. Corey Tenboom says this, uh, which I think is just so incredibly powerful. She, uh, she writes this one of her books. She's kind of a, um, a, a Holocaust writer. She, she has all these things, but she... Uh, she says this incredible thought. She says this. She says, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, she said, you don't throw out the ticket and jump off. You do what? You sit and you trust the conductor. How many of us get in the tunnel or the darkness or the dark place? God's called you to it. You're riding with him. And then all of a sudden you get in a dark place. How many of us get up and jump off? Many of us are tempted with that, aren't we? I'm out of this relationship. I'm sick of it. Oh, oh, this sobriety that, that God has done in my life. But now I'm in a dark place and I'm jumping off of it. Are you with me? 
all these temptations, all these struggles, all these frustrations. God's, God's leading us. He's got the ticket into your destiny. And you get in this dark tunnel. And you say, I don't know what's happening. I better turn. Or we can be like this. We can sit and just trust that the conductor's got us. Amen. That he's leading us where we need to be led. That he knows our circumstances. He knows the path. He knows the way. And it's just better if we sit trusting in him looking forward. Amen. So I don't know what it is for you. I don't know which areas this is maybe affecting you more. Maybe it's been a long time since you've looked back and thought, you know what? God's been good to me. I'm so grateful I'm where I am and not where I used to be. I got a history of victory. If God's done it before, he'll do it again. Maybe that's where you need to spend some time. Maybe for you, it's, it's you got to spend some time just looking around. This Christmas, like, ah, you're just what I mentioned. And then, and then, and they, and they. Don't spend that time doing that this year. Spend some time looking around all the blessings and say, and that, and this, and that, and this. Spend this season being thankful and joyful in what you have where you are, amen. And then for some of us, we just gotta remember, hey, this season isn't perfect and this pain is real, but I'm going to press on because I'm not gonna lose this moment. I'm not gonna lose this potential of this moment that God gave me. I'm not gonna retreat. I'm not gonna isolate. I'm not gonna throw it away. Instead, I'm gonna press on toward what God has for me because it's better than where I am.